Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, and I'd like to welcome you to another self-coaching session where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. And each week I answer real-life questions submitted to me from my website, selfcoaching.net. Today's question comes from Tony, and he writes, Is there such a thing as an insecurity or an inferiority complex? All my life I've never felt as good as everyone else, always struggling, but I just don't feel good about myself. To answer Tony's question, we begin at the beginning. And my beginning, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, is always with the concept of insecurity. So what is insecurity? Well, another word for insecurity is vulnerability. You see, as human beings, we're vulnerable creatures. We don't have claws to protect ourselves or wings to fly away. We have our mind, and our mind can be easily contaminated, especially during our developmental years. You know, whether it's not having perfect parenting, which no one does, uh, we all suffer loss, separations, illnesses. So as we go through our developmental years, we start to develop an array of insecurities, feelings of vulnerability. And at a very early age, we begin to find ways to compensate, to feel better about ourselves. Sometimes it has to do with uh, avoiding. Sometimes it has to do with anticipating the future, worrying. But nevertheless, we grow up trying to find psychological remedies for that initial state of growing insecurity. It's hard to pin down where our self-worth becomes challenged. You know, it's, it's, it's just uh, an incremental process, an erosion over time, but nowhere is it more critical than in adolescence. You know, adolescence is that time where we make comparisons. We can't help it. You know, it's a time of biological turmoil, physical turmoil, mental turmoil. Everyone's growing at different rates. Everyone has different capacities. Some kids, they make the football team. Some make the cheerleading squad. But what about the kid who, who really hasn't matured yet? Who really is sitting in the background, not feeling any kind of connectedness? Not fitting in? Not belonging to a group? Maybe starting to dabble in drugs? Trying to escape? Trying to feel better? You see, everyone's trying to feel better about themselves. And for some, it's a direct route, socially direct. For others, it's an indirect route. So compensation, how we compensate, well, there are many, many ways that we do this. Some do it through avoidance and pulling away from life. Some do it through drugs. Some do it through excelling. Some do it through just effort and energy. But by and large, everyone's trying to feel better. And adolescence is a time where you're assessing who you are, what you are, self-esteem, self-worth. 
It's all part of that adolescent struggle to define ourselves. And adolescence is a time of looking in that mirror and questioning, why is my nose so big? Why is my hair so curly? All these things are so adolescent, so physically oriented, so superficial. But you see, for the adolescent, they're not superficial. They're life or death. So what happens? Well, these feelings, these feelings of inferiority, insecurity, they become emotional baggage. We tend to kind of stamp our lives with this inferiority stuff. We tend to brand ourselves, and we carry that with us, even though times change and we change. As they say, there's, there's a fire smoldering in the basement. Something in our psyche remains unsettled. So as you go into your adult life, you carry this baggage with you. And it may be buried deep inside. Maybe it's not even noticeable anymore. But it does come out, and it comes out in strange ways. Sometimes it's inexplicable. I was at a wedding this past week. And during the after party, we were in the courtyard of the hotel. And there was this young guy, well, maybe around 30, late 20s. He was very short, maybe 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, but he was just as broad, just as muscular as he was tall. And from where I was sitting, I was casually observing he was getting into an altercation with this other young guy. And they came out onto the grass about 50 feet away from me, and they started to, to wrestle. So I'm assuming they both knew wrestling since the moves they were making were quite, uh, quite athletic. But it turned into something really quite ugly. It got beyond just a skirmish. This short fellow was really just trying to really, really win. It meant everything. You could see it. And he wasn't faring well. And this is what was very sad. Towards the end, the, the other boy started to really manhandle this guy and actually wound up flipping him into the air. And the short guy landed on his back, slamming his feet into the nearby sidewalk. He had had it. Took him a, a while to reorient and catch his breath. And then he stood up, and it was a very sad moment, you could see. He was trying to now process that he was trying to make an impression on who knows. I mean, there was a whole group that he was trying to impress. And as it turned out, he didn't make it. You see, he was, he was trying to compensate by letting everyone know just how strong he was, just how resilient he was when it came to this manly art of wrestling. And I watched as he walked back. And what he did is he went over and he shook hands with the kid that, that had really demoralized him. And then he hugged him. And I was thinking, what could he possibly be doing that for? He felt so humiliated just a few seconds ago. And then it occurred to me. He was trying to m mitigate his disastrous performance. 
by embracing the other kid. He was trying to step away from the humiliation. But I was thinking about that afterwards. How did he feel that night? Can you imagine? When someone is dealing with a lifelong insecurity or inferiority complex, Sometimes it gets triggered and sometimes it doesn't, but it's, it's always kind of hovering around there, just beneath the surface. So what about you? I mean, maybe you don't have to prove yourself in a wrestling match, but what about you in terms of intellectually being challenged? Or if someone doesn't like your opinion or your politics, what about you? How do you handle that? Do you handle it by engaging in a wrestling match of the mind? By trying to slam the other guy down or the other girl down? No, you don't. Unless, of course, your insecurity and your self-worth and your self-esteem are at stake. And that's the problem. You see, we never get far beyond our insecurities, especially, and here's the key, especially when they remain just below the level or threshold of consciousness. Let's, let's accept the fact that on some level we're all challenged and we all have vulnerabilities and we all have some sense of inferiority because it's a world where we do make comparisons. But if you stay in that adolescent world of comparisons, you never get beyond it. And no matter how many Gucci bags you buy or how many inches you add to your bicep, it's, it's really just only temporarily satisfying because ultimately the pain, the swelling of inferiority doesn't go away. It just wants more compensation. It just puts you on a treadmill where you're always trying to get to that point where you don't have to compete. The point where you just feel you're okay. Let me tell you a personal story about me. I was a terrible speller. And I wish I had known then that, you know, this is a truly neurological glitch. Maybe 10% of the population have it. Can't spell for a lick. Can't digest languages, foreign languages. So in high school, what I started to do was to recoil, and academically so, and I recoiled from academics by just leaving my books at school, not studying, because basically I couldn't do essays, I couldn't write, my, my reports were not getting good grades. And, and I started to see myself as someone who just wasn't very smart. In fact, I thought I was kind of dumb. I was just hanging on, trying not to fail. Sure, sports and girls and things like that, that was my compensation. But it got me away from the inferiority, the intellectual inferiority that I felt. I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but looking back now, I see that, you know, I was trying to compensate. Now, as time went on, things didn't get any better. To the point where when my mother and I went to see the guidance counselor, her question to him was, I'd like to talk to you about what college we could send Joe to. My counselor, this is a true story, trust me, he looked at my mother, then he looked back at me, and then he looked back at my mother, and he said, don't waste your money. True story. Now, I heard that, and 
I have to thank him for it. Because on some level it became my battle cry. Don't waste your money. He's not good enough. He can't handle it. He can't do it. Now, if it wasn't for sports, I wouldn't have gone to college, but I did. But I went with this burden, this baggage, that I couldn't. That I wasn't as smart as the others, as good as the others. So it, it took a while, and I won't go through all the other compensatory things I did in college, but nevertheless, inadvertently, and I'm not exactly sure how, I started to just do a little better. And I think it was just because I started to just try not to flunk out. You know, I liked college. I wanted to stay there. But I was shocked to find that my grades weren't continuing to fail. They were starting to go from D's to C's and eventually to B's and A's. Now, how could this be? How could it be? You know, I'm this dumb kid. This doesn't, doesn't compute. I won't burden you with all of the details, but nevertheless, I, I did manage to transcend that inferiority, and I did manage to get beyond that concept, that self-concept, that inferior feeling that I wasn't as good as. But it came from what I call neuroplasticity. That's, that's where we can actually change the structure of our brain. Now, my brain had been imprinted with this inferiority concept. It had been imprinted that this is who I am and this is what can't be changed. But once I started to do better, I had to make an adjustment. How could it be that I was dumb and not acting dumb? You see, it didn't compute. Little by little, I began to reshape my brain. This is the plastic part of our brain. You see, our brains, our anatomy can actually be changed through training. So my attitude that maybe, just maybe, I wasn't as bad as I thought. Now, with some maturity, I began to realize that not being able to spell wasn't necessarily synonymous with being dumb. And little by little, I began to challenge the imprint, the habit of feeling less than. It got to a point where at some point I realized that separation between a neurological spelling problem and intellectual ability. But it took a while and it took psychology. This is one of the reasons I got into psychology. I wanted to know why I was so anxious. So psychology helped me to realize that my own sense of inferiority, insecurity, needed to be challenged because it was, in fact, contaminated by my adolescent perception. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. Your insecurities, your feelings of inferiority will never stop hounding you. That baggage will never be put down if you keep reinforcing it. So the first thing you need to realize is that if you are caught in an adolescent self-perception, I'm not as pretty as, I'm not as handsome as, I'm not as tall as, I'm not as successful as, if you're caught in an adolescent comparative mode, it's going to hound you. You're on that treadmill then for life. And you're not going to get off the treadmill until you realize that 
the inferiority itself was the perceptions of judging yourself against other alien criteria. And I say alien because you're judging yourself not based on you, but based on society, expectations, all this stuff that, that we compare ourselves to, and we keep coming up short. You see, but this is the adolescent yearning. Where do I fit in on the continuum? Am I good, bad, as good as, not good as? You see, this is what has to be challenged. And it really needs to be challenged, but here's how you do it. First of all, you need to recognize something that's very difficult. Well, let's just put it this way. It's impossible for an adolescent to realize. But as an adult, I expect you have a greater capacity. And what you need to realize is that who you are is inviolate. Your 46 chromosomes will never exist on this planet by anyone else. They're yours. You are this unique being. Now, we can compare your uniqueness to others, and you can use any judgmental reaction you want, but you see, that's where you miss the point. The point isn't to judge yourself. It's to embrace yourself. If you yield to who you are, rather than resist, then you begin to find that being okay is a matter of validating yourself. You're never going to be anything other than yourself. And if your goal, if your mission is to be other than yourself, well, I wish you well on your trek. But if you want genuine happiness, solace, peace in your life, then there's only one way only one path, and that's to find a way to embrace yourself and your uniqueness. The talents that you have, not the talents that you don't have. The person that you are, not the person you want to be or the person you aren't. But to embrace the fact that you need to find your uniqueness and you need to realize that being unique means being special being different. You can't compare your uniqueness because it's unique. And that's why I use the term inviolate. Because basically, you can't be violated. Who you are and what you are is the key to acceptance, to a sense of security, to a sense of well-being. So if you are yearning to be different, then you're caught in an adolescent trap, an adolescent perspective. So isn't it time to grow up, to really grow up, and not be contained and contaminated by your adolescent perceptions any longer? Now, these habits of self-perception, of insecurity. Of course, they are habits. They are imprints. And they're stubborn, as any habit would be. Can we extinguish them? Well, it depends. Some of these inferiority feelings come from really traumatic underpinnings. But we can neutralize them. 
and you neutralize any habit by not reinforcing it, by developing a more appropriate perception of self. And to do that, of course, you have to be much more cognizant of your thoughts. When you find yourself, well, I should say thoughts and feelings, because when you find yourself feeling really out of sorts next to someone that you comparatively feel is your superior, you've got to get in touch with that. And you've got to at least begin by saying, that's my adolescent view, and I can challenge that. And the only way to challenge it is to realize apples, oranges. Think of an apple. If an apple wants to be an orange, what would you say to that apple? Come on, you're fuel fooling yourself. You'll always be an apple. Why not accept the fact that apples are good just the way they are? They don't need to be an orange. So you be that apple. Find your uniqueness. Embrace it. You don't need to be an orange, so stop trying. You see, that all happened in your adolescence when you weren't sure what fruit you were. But you didn't realize that just being an apple was your salvation. And now maybe you can begin to try to embrace that fact that once you accept that being an apple is great, nothing wrong with it. Sure, it may not have an orange rind on it, or it may not taste citrusy, but, but that's not what an apple is all about. So find your appleness. Now, if you do that, if you begin to neutralize those old knee-jerk perceptions of adolescent insecurity, and if you find your appleness center, what's going to happen? Huh. Well, let me tell you something. Your uniqueness has much more to it than you can realize. Just like me going through college, I had no idea that I could become a good student, that I could become an A student, that my appleness could be retrieved. You don't know what you're capable of, the gifts that you have, the talents that you have, if you want to be an orange because you're just then stepping away from your center, stepping away from who and what you are. So starting today, decide that, and I don't care what fruit you are, if you're an orange or grape, <laughs> whatever you are, it's okay. But be that fruit. Be that person. From that center, everything will change in your life. You'll stop trying to be what you're not. You'll get off that treadmill. You'll start to feel better about yourself. Find your fruit. <laughs> Find your center. Uh, I don't know. I like to think of myself as maybe an apple. Find your fruit. Find who you are. But even in, even in the apple world or the orange world, every apple's different. Every apple has a slightly different taste, different texture, different skin coloring. Find your appleness and set yourself free. And be sure to visit my website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and check out my number one best-selling books, now published in 10 languages.
So until next time, realize that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. Remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me each week, and let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way, life is what you make of it Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams Don't surrender, there is more than it seems Hold on and fight, follow your heart This is your way